Hello and welcome to another episode of Life in the Dark, a podcast dedicated to the golden age of radio and Hollywood's classic era. This podcast is part of the Nomad in the Middle network. More information can be found at nomadinthemiddle.com. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X minus one. Tonight's story, No Contact. It was in the year of 1982 that spacemen first discovered the Great Galactic Barrier. In the past ten years, rocket travel to the moon and the nearer planets had become commonplace. And then men fixed their sights on a more distant star, the remote planet known as Volta. Five exploratory ships went out and none came back, each in turn disappearing mysteriously at the same vanishing point, at an invisible wall somewhere in the vast outer reaches that became known as the wrecker of spaceships, the Galactic Reef. And yet, the explorers refused to admit defeat. It was on June the 2nd, 1987, that the rocket Star Cloud made ready for takeoff, the sixth to attempt to crack the barrier and win through to Volta. Now hear this. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Well, Lewis, this is it. I don't suppose you'll be needing the ship's doctor up here on the bridge during blast off. I think not, Smitty. There's little chance of acceleration bends in these new overdrive ships. I'll be in my office then, counting vitamin pills if you need me. It's only a few steps. Good luck, Lewis. Thank you, Smitty. Uh, Lieutenant Collier. Uh, yes, sir. If you're relieved, you'd better get down to navigation control and take over. Yes, sir. Uh, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. We've never flown together before. This is your first flight in a space vessel as big as the Star Cloud. Yes, sir, but I was trained in oversized jobs at the Naval Academy. Well, if you're half as good a navigator as your father was, you'll do fine. Thank you, sir. Did you ship out with my father? I served under him on one of the first rocket runs to the moon. I see. I almost went along on his last trip to the barrier. Um, Too bad about that. Yes, sir. That's all, Collier. Paulison. Get me the ground control tower on the field. I want to talk to Colonel Harrison. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. I patched in the bridge speaker. Colonel Harrison? Yes, Captain. We're standing by for takeoff in 30 seconds. Good. The field's cleared of all personnel. We'll try to reestablish radio contact immediately after takeoff. In any event, there'll be a 24-hour ground monitor. Fine. Good luck. Hope you make it. Thank you. Bridge to navigation control. Nav control, call you. Ready, Lieutenant? 
forces in the integrator for takeoff at 1,200 hours. All right. Stand by for blastoff. Bridge to engine room. Fire up your rocket chambers. Take off at exactly 1,200 hours. I'll read you off. 20 seconds. 19, 18, 17, 16. Hold it. Revoke all orders. Who turned in that alarm? Uncovered a stowaway. Stowaway? Where? Hiding in sickbay. Dr. Smithson found him. Have him brought up to the bridge. Engine room, kill your rockets and stand by. Thorson, this is Colonel Harrison in ground control. What's holding you up? Trouble. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? There's a stowaway aboard. Stowaway? Yes, I thought your men were supposed to police this base. What's the All matter right, with you? Captain, take it easy. You know what this delay can do to us, don't you? One minute later, takeoff can throw us a million miles off course. We'll have to reintegrate the whole works. Well, look, how long do you think it'll take Don't to... bother for me for a while. I'm busy. Stupid idiot. Captain Thorson? Yes, come in, Smitty. Here's your stowaway. I'll court-martial the... Oh, Charlie. Can you use a good radio man, Skipper? Well, I see you two have met. Met? Skipper and me made 50 trips to the moon together. Didn't we, Skipper? Charlie, if you wanted to come along, why didn't you volunteer? I did, Skipper. They they turned me down. Well, what's wrong with you? Acceleration bends. They said my arteries wouldn't stand another trip. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But they're wrong, Skipper. I, I got one more good trip in me. Listen, Skipper, you, you you know that these green kids, they don't know the first thing about space radio operation. Now, you, you put a man like me on and I'll, I'll be getting you bedtime stories from Mars. Charlie, you know the regulations as well as I do. I can't take you much as I'd like to. Colonel Harrison will murder me for this. Well, I'm sorry, Charlie. I'll have you put aground. I'll tell you what, I'll ask Harrison to put you on his ground radio contact, and it'll seem as if you're right here with us. He won't do it, sir. Well, he'd better. I'll have him busted to corporal for letting you sneak aboard. Look, Charlie, you... look, you'd better be off. Uh, Paulison. Yes, sir. I'm sending this man aground. Give him time to clear the launching platform. Yes, sir. So long, Charlie. I'm I'm sorry. Good luck, Skipper. <laughs> I thought you were going to have him drawn and quartered. If it had been anyone else, I would have, Smitty. But Charlie, well, he's kind of special. He's been with me since my first command when we began the regular run to the moon. And if he wanted to come along this time, well, it's only through loyalty to me. You know, Lewis, I didn't realize it before, but you're almost human. Captain Dawson, nav control, call you. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, how badly are we fouled up? Can you recalculate the course, or shall I cancel the takeoff? I've already plotted a new course on the integrator, sir. If we take off in exactly 30 seconds, we'll need to correct for only a one-degree deflection. I can do that before we breach the stratosphere. That's quick work. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Positive, sir. All right, Collier. I'm putting it in your hands. We'll blast off on your signal. Bridge to engine room. Prepare to blast off on navigator's signal. How are we doing, Collier? Coming on the bearing, sir. That's four, three, two, zero. We've intersected the course vector. Good work, Collier. Course is corrected, sir. We're ready to go into atomic overdrive any time you say. All right. Stand by. Yes, sir. Now hear this. Now hear this. Prepare for maximum acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Kill your rockets. Rockets out. Fire up number one cyclotron.
and ready. Fire up number two. Number two ready. Withdraw your dampening rods. Mission chamber ready. Blast tubes cleared. All generators operating at capacity. Take it over, sir. Go into overdrive at the count of zero. Three seconds, Mr. Collier. Three, two, two, one. One. Zero. Zero. How are we doing, Collier? On course, sir. She's running hot and true. My compliments, Lieutenant. This job would have done your father credit, and he was the best navigation officer I ever saw. Oh, thank you, sir. Start your gyros. Put her on robot control. All right, the bridge is yours, Mr. Collier. If you need me, I'll be in Dr. Smithson's office. Yes, sir. You got us off the ground. You can thank young Collier for that. Ship off the old block. Uh, you knew his father? As a matter of fact, I knew him very well. First-rate spaceman. Oh, is he the one yes, who... Yes, uh... yes. He was lost in the galactic barrier on the second ship we sent out to Volta. Lewis, just what do you think this galactic barrier is? Oh, your guess is as good as mine, Doc. All I know is that five ships have gone into it, and none of them have come back out. You think it's a nit? How about Mestrovic's theory that it's a time warp in space? That the ships reach it and slip into another dimension. I think that's a lot of rubbish. My theory is that the galactic barrier is nothing more than a radioactive layer of some kind. Why do you say that? Well, we know that radar signals bounce off it like they were hitting an invisible glass wall. And we know that it destroys our ships and crews in some way. There's no other logical explanation. What makes you think we can get through it, Lewis? Because we're ready for it. The others weren't. The entire hull of this ship is completely shielded with lead. We can crack through any radioactive cloud ever detected. Besides, we're equipped with some new UHF radio devices that should enable us to maintain radio contact with Earth. Nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing. Now, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> well, myself, I suppose. Lewis, you've had your share of glory. First skipper to reach the moon back in 1962. You could have retired. Why are you risking this trip? Five ships are missing. Men like Prentice, Margotson, young Collier's father. I'm tired of seeing good men fed into that meat chopper. Then why are we going to Volta? We haven't any choice, Smitty. We're in a race, the kind of race where men and ships are expendable. According to the Interspace Code, the First Nation to reach Volta can claim it. Well, personally, I want no part of it. Now, I'll have to play physician, morale builder, and mother substitute for 112 slightly nervous men. And your morale doesn't sound too good, Doc. As morale officer, I can state without fear of contradiction, it is terrible. And something tells me as we approach that galactic barrier, I'm not going to be alone. Captain Thorson of the Star Cloud calling Earth. Hello, Star Cloud. Hi, Captain. Charlie. Well, I see they haven't court-martialed you yet. No, sir, thanks to you. Well, it's good to hear you. You can read us the funny papers on Sunday morning. All right. Now, how's our signal? Strong. Clear as a bell. Now, here's our log report for Colonel Harrison. You ready? Shoot. June 2nd, 1987. Four weeks out from Earth. Running through. No radiation. Operation normal. Still making our approach to the galactic barrier. That's all, Charlie. See you later. Good luck, Captain. I sure wish I was with you. How 
How's the morale, Smitty? The men know we're getting closer to the barrier. They're beginning to show a little tension, Lewis. Well, how's their physical condition? Any sickness? About half the crew has come down with space blues. Ah, I was afraid of that. Are they bad? Same as usual. Lips and hands with a bluish cast. Eyes are sensitive to infrareds. I don't know. When I first started flying these tin cans, nobody ever heard of space blues. Well, now there's a theory it's caused by the terrific acceleration of atomic overdrive. Change in gravity affects the circulation. Hmm. What do you think? I think it's psychosomatic. I've noticed that the same men who get space blues under tension on a ship tend to get blue coloration back on Earth when they're upset. I guess it's just an occupational disease of space now. Uh-huh. You think it's just uh, nerves, then? Well, young Collier's got a bad case. I, I think it's tension from overwork. Maybe he needs some vitamins. Lewis, when will you realize that vitamins are not a panacea for all the troubles of mankind? Sir, I understand that you've relieved me from duty. Well, Dr. Smithson says you aren't looking very well, Collier. I'm giving you a rest. Sir, I feel perfectly able to continue. Your lips are as blue as Minnetonka. Captain... I'd like to remain at my post. Don't be foolhardy, Lieutenant. I'm not being foolhardy, sir. I have a special personal reason for wanting this expedition to reach Volta. Your father? Yes, sir. You think he might still be alive? I have to find out what happened, sir. I I, I think I understand. Very well, Collier. Report back to duty. What's the reading, Paulison? Uh, we're getting a plus five radar bounce now. Coming off the barrier almost as fast as we sent it out. What's the interval? Two seconds. Shortening steadily. This rate will hit the wall in the next few minutes. All right. Alert the crew. Sound general quarters. Now hear this. Condition red. We are now approaching the galactic barrier. All hands to stations. All radiation detectors to be fully manned. Full security will prevail until further notice. That is all. Uh, Paulison. Yes, sir? The radar bounces up to plus six. We'd better try to make final contact with Earth. Is Spark still trying to raise the base? Uh, yes, sir, but he's not having much luck. Huh? Seems to be some interference. Uh, that's the radio room now. Yes? You got him? Well, cut in on the bridge speaker. Captain will take it from here. Hello? Star Cloud to Earth. Can you hear me, Earth? Hello, Skipper. I can barely read you. You're getting heavy static from sunspots. That's not sunspots, Charlie. We're right on top of the galactic barrier. Getting a plus... No, a plus seven radar bounce. Expect to hit the barrier almost any second now. Good luck, Skipper. If we crack the barrier and come through still in one piece... I'll try to get back to you on the high-frequency band. Got you, Skipper. Don't worry. I'll be waiting. So long, Charlie. So long, Star Cloud. Must be getting awfully close now, Captain. Echo's bouncing back so fast, it's almost beating the signal. When they go inside, hold on to your hat. That's when we run into the wall. Any second. Hold on. Here goes nothing. Here it comes.
Captain. <laughs> Nothing happened. We, we made it. We made it, Captain. No radiation, no time warp, no nothing. Now, the, the crew's gone crazy, sir. Let them. They've earned it. Doc, can you break out a few bottles of snake bite serum for medicinal purposes? I sure can, Lord. This calls for a celebration. How's your morale now? It couldn't be better. How's yours? Couldn't be better. The... Condition red. Condition, Condition red. red. Radiation detected. Condition red. Radiation detected. Holy mackerel. Look at the needle on that indicator. Mollison. Mollison. Yes, I see it, Captain. Picking radiation like crazy. What's it like? Well, it's a strong impulse. What kind? I don't know. It's too long for a cosmic ray, too short for UHF. Whatever it is, sir, the ship is lousy. Well, track it down, triangulate it, and make it fast. I want a directional fix. Yes, sir. Engine room. Yes, sir. We're picking up radioactivity. Is the fission chambers? No leak here, sir. Check your gauges. Nothing here, Captain. Must be coming from outside. Damage control. Is our lead shield leaking radiation? Well, keep at it. Wallison, how are you doing? Uh, I've got a fix, Captain. Well, what is it? Well, I'll have to recheck my figures. Well, hurry it up. Angle is correct, but now, I... Come I on, don't... man, for Pete's sake. Where's the radiation coming from? Sir, it's... It's coming from inside the ship. Well, that's impossible. No, sir, I've checked it twice. Well, it's got to be the engines, then. If it is, sir, we're finished. Engine room. Yes, sir. That radiation must be in the overdrive pile. No, sir, it isn't here, sir. Are you certain? Yes, sir. All right, keep checking. Well, there's only one thing left to do. Paulison, get a Geiger counter. We're going to start combing this ship inch by inch. Yes, sir. All right, turn it on. Yes, sir. All right. Ready, Captain. We'll check the atomic guns first. Come on. We'll uh, cut through the officer's quarters here to ordnance. Now turn here. Oh, wait a minute, sir. Huh? What is it? The signal's weaker now. Yeah. Let's go back. Hold it. Hold it. Seems strongest right about here. Well, doesn't make sense. Whose cabin is this? Lieutenant Collier's. Collier? Oh, he's down in that control, sir. Oh, I'll try the door. It's not locked, sir. Oh, it's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked, oh, sir. smash it. Oh, shut off that Geiger counter. Now, what do you make of this, Paulison? Oh, it looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufacture. I, I, I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabin? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Paulison. Get down to nav control and bring Collier up to the bridge on the double. Well, hadn't we better find some way to shut this thing off first? I know a way. <laughs> Lieutenant Collier, I'm going to ask a few simple questions, and I want a few simple answers. Yes, sir. What were you doing with a transmitter in your cabin? Transmitter, Captain? Oh, you know nothing about it. Oh, no, sir, I don't. Do you recognize these calibration symbols? No, sir. Can you think of how it might have been placed in your cabin without your knowing it? No, sir, unless someone came in while I was on duty. Would that have been possible? Well, I suppose so, if someone had a key. I found your cabin door unlocked. Well, I meant a key to the wall cabinet. I... I didn't say the wall cabinet. Well, I... Uh... You what, Lieutenant? How could you have known it was in the wall cabinet? Well, I just assumed, sir. Lieutenant Collier, I find it hard to believe you would lie. Having known and respected your father. Having observed the way you handle your job. However, I intend to get to the root of this thing. 
May I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Paulison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter, how do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? Well, I... I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom were you sending those signals? Condition red! Condition red! There's your answer, Captain. What is this, Collier? Alien spaceship approaching. Alien spaceship approaching. Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk! Very well, Captain. My mission seems completed. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I am stating it. What nation? No nation, Captain. What? I am an agent of the Voltan government. Oh, what? The government of the planet of Voltan. You're crazy. Are you so stupid, Captain? Did you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe you. What do you think happened to those five ships, Captain? Where do you suppose we got our information? Your language, your culture, family background. Uh, appearance, you, you you look like... Like Commander Collier? Well, is that so surprising, Captain? You see, Captain, we had a living model. I ought to kill you. That would be very foolish, Captain. I would advise you to surrender without delay. Alien ship now coming into water range. I'll deal with you later, Collier Paulison. Yes, sir. Put this man in irons. Take him away. Don't worry, sir. We'll take good care of him. Carpenter, Robinson. Gunnery. Gunnery Richardson. What's the range? 10,000 meters. They're closing fast. Put your guns on radar tracking. Tracking. Coming on the bearing. Fire. Fire, Richardson. Richardson, did you hear me? Fire! What's the matter down there? Did you hear me? Richardson, answer me. It's no what? use to shout, Captain. Collier, how did you get loose? Where's Paulison? Lieutenant Paulison is dead. All stations! Lieutenant Collier has escaped. Seize men! Don't waste your breath. Your men can't hear you, Captain. What? Those still alive are my men. You're lying! No, Captain. Every ship that has ever left Earth was controlled by a Voltan crew. That's impossible. Those were hand-picked men. Hand-picked by us. I don't believe you. No? Then why not call for help? Carpenter, Robinson, Haley, report. You see, Captain? Captain. Carpenter! Robinson! Haley! It's quite useless, Captain. I would advise you to sit very quietly and do nothing. Very well, Collier. You beaten us. What now? The ship will be taken to Volta for, shall we say, further experimentation. I see. Of course, there's one thing you hadn't counted on. Just what is that, Captain? Carpenter! Are you in there, Lieutenant Carpenter? We can't all be dead. There must be one alive. 
Smitty, Dr. Smithson. Smitty. Smitty, what have they done to him? Lewis, oh, I... dirty. I, uh, I, I don't talk. I must lean, lean closer. It's not much time. Lewis, space blues. Space blues? What is it, Smitty? What are you trying to tell me? All men with space blues... Voltans. Yeah, let me help you. Oh, Lewis, get message back to Earth. Voltan fifth column. Watch out for space blues. Smitty. Oh, Smitty. Captain Thorson. Captain Thorson, you can't hide from us now. Come back to the bridge and surrender. Or my men will come and get you. Hello. Hello. Star Cloud calling Earth. Oh, please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello. Star Cloud to Earth. Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello. Hello. Star Cloud to Earth. Captain Thorson calling. Charlie, come in, please. Hurry. Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you? Are you getting my signal? It's coming in a little louder now, Skip. Keep sending. Oh, my God. Now, look, Charlie, listen to me. Not much time. Get word to Colonel Harrison. Crew mutinied. Most of crew members, Fultons. What? Fultons. Spell that. V-O-L. Fultons. That's right. They're from the planet Volta. Skipper. Skipper, are you all right? Now, Charlie, this is serious. They'll be here any second. Now, listen. They have a fifth column on Earth. They're planning to invade you. You mean it? Of course I mean it. Tell Harrison, posing as humans. You can detect them by space blues. You got that only Voltons get space blue. Charlie, did you hear me? Space blue. I get you. They're breaking in, Charlie. I'm defending you. Warn everybody. Captain. They, they opened the door. So long, Charlie. Tell Harrison. Captain. <laughs> Captain Thorson. Hello. Hello, Star Cloud. What's the trouble, Sergeant? I was just trying to raise a Star Cloud, Colonel. I had any luck? No, sir. No contact. No contact, eh? No, sir. Nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get a message back. No, sir. Neither do I. Oh, all right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, you you do that, sir. It's all yours. Right. Oh, and Charlie, uh, you better go out and get yourself some coffee. You look a little blue around the gills. Tonight, X-1 has brought you No Contact, written by George Lefferts from an original story of Lefferts and Ernest Kenoy. Featured in the cast were Louis Van Ruten as Captain, Donald Buca as Collier, Wendell Holmes as Charlie, and Bill Griffiths, Bill Smith, Matt Crowley, and Ken Williams. Your announcer, Don Pardo. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. Now, next week. When you want to take over a world, you naturally look for its weak point, some way to catch its people off guard. We live in a world where everybody loves a parade, a world of press agents and publicity stunts. But who would ever dream that invaders from outer space would take advantage of that weakness 
and actually hire a press agent to advertise their coming. Who would believe it was anything but just another publicity gag? At least, not until the terrible moment when it was already too late. The moment of X minus one. Johnson Wax program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, it's not so long ago that Saturday was best known as bath day for the kids and baking day and floor scrubbing day for their mothers. But now you mothers are more fortunate on that floor business. Johnson's Glow Coat has moved that unpleasant chore back with the antiques. You'd never think of doing all that hard work again when with Glow Coat it's a cinch to have linoleum floors clean and sparkling all the time. Glow Coat saves work, first because it needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. It saves work also because it's so easy to keep a glow-coated floor clean and beautiful. Spilled things are wiped up with a damp cloth in a jiffy. Besides saving you work, self-polishing glow-coat saves your linoleum, makes it last ever so much longer because it protects against dirt, wear, and moisture. And, of course, a beautiful floor protected with glow-coat makes your kitchen a more cheerful room to work in. People at 79 Wistful Vista have been having a little trouble with their radio. All week it's been going... (whistles) This morning, however, Mr. McGee made a couple of minor adjustments, and now it goes... (whistles) But never one to give up until something is either fixed or ruined, he's still in there fighting as we meet... Fibber McGee and Molly. Sound any better now, Molly? If I wasn't so fond of you, dearie, I'd say that every time you touch that thing, it sounds worse. Well, I think I've located the trouble. I think it's got a grid leak. Hmm. Shall I get a pan to put under it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't know much about electricity, Snooky. <laughs> what I mean is AC is uh, the AC is draining off into the DC. Now let me see if I put this. Over. What on earth are you doing? I'm just feeling around inside this radio. I think possibly the condenser is. Yes! No! <laughs> what are you dancing around for? I don't hear any music. <laughs> Got a shock. My gosh! I just absorbed enough juice to light the city of Akron. Hey, you got any rubber gloves? No, no, I haven't. I sent the only pair I had to Cousin Letty. Hmm. She's going to work on a farm this summer, you know. Well, she needs rubber gloves for to work on a farm. 
Well, she punches little holes in the ends of the fingers with a needle. Yeah. Fills the glove with warm water and practices milking. <laughs> it's going to be a little confusing when she finds out a cow only has four fingers. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess I don't need it anyway. Now, let's see. Where's my pliers? In your left hand. Well, what did I do with my left hand? Oh, okay. <laughs> now, let's see. If I tighten this little dingus here. Oh, I'll bet that did it. Now, listen. And as Mr. Stalin says the Yalta Conference... <laughs> my, my. Isn't Russian an interesting language? <laughs> I think maybe I better take the whole radio apart. Oh, dear. Unplug the plug out of the wall plug, will you? Thanks. Ah, now to work. Ah, here we go, laughing and scratching. I still think we ought to call a radio repairman, McGee. No, no, it'll take too long. There's an opera singer on tonight that I don't want to miss. Gloria Pizzicato. On that Gilly Garden Hose program. Why, she can't sing. Hmm? She's only on that program because her husband is Mr. Gilly. And she only married him because he manufactured hose. She not knowing it was garden hose. <laughs> She's positively the worst. Oh, hello, Alice. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Something wrong with the radio? Yeah, a tube's burned out or something, Alice. Oh. Tuned in the Andrews sisters last night and could only get two of them. Oh. <laughs> uh, plug it in and let me hear it, Mr. McGee. Okay. I'll see if we can get that program Molly likes. Joyce Jensen, girl gopher hunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. And as we leave Joyce Jensen, girl gopher hunter... That's it. ...trapped in the blazing reptile house at the zoo, where she has been lured by Ben Baxter, who is secretly trying to break the will of the dying Mortimer Fitzgerald, because he is secretly infatuated with Tracy Lammermore, whose father has been missing since the blueprints of the new battleship was stolen by Siegfried Schoenfeld, and that's his father. <laughs> Secretly in love with Alice Greekfeather, who has been Baxter's secret mother. <laughs> we wonder how it will all come out. Tune in all day tomorrow and let your housework go straight to the <laughs> Sounds like your condenser was shot, Mr. McGee. <laughs> Sounded more like the announcer was, Alice. <laughs> And none too soon, either. One of these days, John's other wife is going to fall secretly in love with one of the quiz kids, and Clem McCarthy will get so excited he'll bite H.B. Kaltenborn in the ankle. <laughs> well, I'll just check this radio all over, well, I guess. If I can help you any, Mr. McGee, I have my toolkit upstairs, and I'll be glad to run no, up... No, 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 thanks, kid. <laughs> I'll make out okay. This is man's work. Mm -hmm. I used to build radios, you know. Back in Peoria. Indeed, he did, Alice. Betcha. Many's the oatmeal box I've held while he wrapped wire around it, and then held again while he unwrapped the wire and got his thumb out of it. <laughs> I built the first GA set in Peoria, Alice. What's a GA set? Get anything. Got <laughs> 12 dials on that baby. Took up the whole mantle. <laughs> My father used to be a great radio fan in the early days. He'd sit there night after night with those headphones glued to his ears. Mm -hmm. Mother finally had to do something about it. What'd she do, Alice? She had to spank my little brother and hide the glue. <laughs> well, this isn't getting the radio fixed, girls. <laughs> One side, please, while I make a mug out of Marconi. Well, I'll be glad to help you, Mr. McGee, if you want me to. I'm very happy. No, 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 no. Thanks, anyway. This is no job for a bent hairpin, kid. Well, all right. Just call me if there's anything I can do. Yeah. <laughs> 
call her if there's anything she can do. I never saw a woman yet that didn't think a shingle nail was something to scratch yourself with when you had the shingles. Oh. <laughs> now, let me see. Where's my tire tape? Uh, well, I think I saw it. Oh, I know. It's right here in the hall. Oh. One of these days, I gotta straighten out that plot. Billy Mills in the orchestra and sleigh ride in July. this tube? Hold it up to the light. That's it. What do you see? A lot of little fine wires. Exactly. And naked as a boiled potato. No insulation on them. Pretty shoddy workmanship, if you ask me. Well, uh, how do you get the little wires out of the tube to wrap them with the insulation? Break the glass. <coughs> yes, but maybe... And if them little wires were properly insulated, they don't need any glass around them. See? <laughs> Another thing is here, you got to have these things... Hello, folks. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Fixing the radio? Now, there is an intelligent question. <laughs> Got my hands full of tools and the radio scattered all over the joint, and he asked me, am I fixing the radio? No, Junior, I'm up on the roof measuring the chimney for some new soot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be sarcastic, McGee. It was a natural thing to ask. Just uh, what was wrong with the radio, pal? Can't say exactly, Junior. All I know is I don't get what I tune in for. Well, some program you particularly want? Yes, he wants to hear that opera singer, Gloria Pizzicato, over WVIS. Gloria Pizzicato? Yeah. That babe couldn't hit high C with a bazooka. 
I used to have a Model T Ford with a worn brake drum that could sing better than she can. <laughs> now, look here, Junior. Don't tell me who to listen to and who not to listen to and who to. Besides, I've heard you sing. <laughs> and your lower register ain't fit to dry a pair of overshoes on. <laughs> you got the rhythm of a spavined horse in a cobblestone alley and a tonal delicacy of a dentist drill. You must have trained with a busted windshield wiper for a metronome, accompanied by a sweet potato that was left too long in a damp basement. <laughs> oh, I could say more, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. Thanks. I guess McGee didn't know you used to sing in Chautauqua, Mr. Wilcox. Didn't you, pal? Sure. Thinks mules used to be in vaudeville, too. <laughs> but they took their last bow in a glue factory. <laughs> So if I want to listen to Gloria Pizzicato tonight, I'm going to listen to Gloria Pizzicato tonight. Catch on. Well, they're your eardrums, chum. Suit yourself. Say, uh, I know where you can get that fixed in no time. Where, Mr. Wilcox? My cousin's a radio repairman. Hmm? Big Freddie Wilcox. At 14th and Oak. Oh, my God. Say, incidentally, you know what Freddie told me about a radio? What'd he tell you, son? A very interesting thing. Parlor trick, sort of. Uh -huh. He says, if you turn your radio on, and while it warms up, you talk into the speaker and turn it off. It will play your own voice back to you when you turn it on again. Well, heavenly days. I never heard that before. Here, let's try it. Turn it on. Okay. Now, I'll talk into it fast. Shut it off and turn it back on again and hear my own voice repeat what I said. Isn't this fun? Now, no? go ahead, Junior. Talk to it. Okay. <clears throat> this is Harlow Wilcox speaking. Big Harlow Wilcox. Oh, oh, yes. This is Big Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax. Closer into the speaker, Harlow. All right. I am just reminding you again that Johnson's Wax is the finest protection money can buy for your floors, furniture, woodwork, picture frames, leather goods, and a hundred other things you want to guard from dust and dampness, scratching and smudging. Better cut it short, Mr. Wilcox. This is a very dumb radio and won't remember very much of what you said. <laughs> remember, Johnson's Wax, when you want to protect your fine possessions against dryness and dampness, wear and tear, use and abuse. Now, shut it off. Quick, pal. Now, on again. Huh? I don't hear a thing. Well, I'll be darned. What do you know about that? I don't know anything, Waxy. <laughs> but I suspect a plenty. I got a sneaking suspicion. That I you just told Freddy I didn't think it would work, but he kept insisting and insisting. Mm. I'm going down and tell him right now. See you later, folks. And I never thought. I never caught on. After all these years, I never caught on. Well, now, look, dearie, if you intend to hear Gloria Pizzicato on that radio tonight, you'd better start getting the real snook wired back into the audio hoosis or something. Oh, my gosh, I guess I better have it there. Hey, I just got an idea what might be wrong with this thing. What's that? Uh, this wire here is marked ground. You see? Yeah. Well, all the time we've had it fastened to the radiator. <laughs> That radiator is eight feet off of the ground if it's an inch. No wonder the darn Well, thing you was... do it your own way, sweetheart. But I hope you get the radio fixed before Roosevelt's next inauguration. Hmm? I haven't missed one since I was a child. <laughs> well, I've got to go out in the kitchen and see how Beulah's coming along with the dinner. Okay. Ah, there goes a good kid. She knows when it comes to repairing a radio, I don't know an aerial from a real stat. But does she say anything? No, sir. <laughs> but does she think things? <laughs> Brother, you got no one? Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, Teenie. <laughs> Rest your rompers on the rug there and watch Uncle Fibber set the radio industry back 15 or 20 years. 
What you doing, mister? What you doing? Watch out. To the world at large, sis. I'm fixing the radio. But strictly between us kids, I wish I knew. <laughs> I love to listen to the radio, I betcha. I like Bing Crosby. He, he sends me. <clears throat> well, I wish he was here now. I'd ask him to do it. <laughs> See, if I move the octostat near the flanellium here, it ought to make the variations more sanitized. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wish I was smart enough to take a radio all apart. You, huh? Hmm? I says you do, eh? Do what? You wish you were smart enough to take a radio apart. I know it. And, and if I was that smart, I'd be too smart to do it, I bet you. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, if you're so smart... Let's make the radio work, mister. What does? Hmm. Will you explain it to me, mister? Will you please? Hmm? Why, team? Do you mean to sit there with your little pigtails on the wrong end of the little pig? <laughs> and tell me you don't comprehend the nature of the wireless? Uh, no. <laughs> Close your mouth and open your eyes, and I'll tell you something to make you eyes. Now then, what happens when you turn on your radio? It makes a kind of a little click, and then the little light turns on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And way out in the ether, Mother Nature hears that little click. Oh. And quick's a flash, she calls in all her little kills and megs and says, Radio turned on a 14th and oak, whistle this way. And all the little ki- kills hop onto their killer cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the little megs hop onto their megacycles. And they race away as fast as their little fat wavelengths will carry them. Uh, you know what a wavelength is, sis? Sure I do, I betcha. Five feet two. How do you figure that? <laughs> My sister is a wave and that's her length. <laughs> well, sir, all them little kills and megs Ride along on their kilocycles and megacycles till they see that little light that shines in your radio. Oh. Yes, sir. And then they hop off and into the back of the radio. That's why they always leave the back part of a radio open. <laughs> and quick to wink, they decide who's going to be music, who's going to be dialogue, and who's going to be announcers. And if any little meg or little kill has got a bad cold, they let him be the static. <laughs> well, sir, then you hear the music and the dialogue and the commercial which is when everybody turns the radio down and rushes out into the kitchen for a bottle of root beer before the music comes on again. <laughs> Boy, that was a wonderful story, mister. <laughs> I thought so. Gee, poor Mr. Marconi. What do you mean, poor Mr. Marconi? To think he spent his whole life laboring under the delusion that radio was based upon the utilization of electromagnetic waves, converted into electrical impulses known as audio frequency currents and amplified by means of the vacuum tube to a diaphragm or loudspeaker. Gee, if he had only known. Ho, ho, poor Mr. Marconi. <laughs> the King's Man singing, Leave the Dishes in the Sink, Ma. Tonight's our night. Yee-hoo! Leave the 
dishes in the sink. Ma, leave the dishes in the sink. Every place will have to wait. Tonight we're going to celebrate. Leave the dishes in the sink. I began a fiddling and the dancing was begun. Grandpa started shouting. Grab your partners, everyone. Each one grabbed a partner. Oh, the party, it was gay. And more, she looked so pretty. They hollered out, hooray! While they all were having fun, the door flew open wide. Everybody stopped when G.I. Joe stepped inside. Oh, and Paul, they grabbed him just as happy as could be. But Joe, he saw the dishes and hollered out, Ma, I washed him in the army. I'm a terrific K.P. Oh, leave the dishes in the sink. Joe, leave the dishes in the sink. We'll break up to commemorate the day. your pants, dearie. Oh, yeah. I put them there so I know where they were. Oh. I got to cut a hunk of this wire off. Is there a knife there? Well, I don't see any. Ask Beulah to bring me a small uh, kitchen knife, will you? Certainly. Why leave it out in the kitchen where it'll just get ruined peeling potatoes and apples? Yeah. Oh, Beulah! Beulah! Somebody ball for Beulah? <laughs> Hey, Beulah, bring me a small knife, will you? I gotta splice some wire. Is there something go bluey with the radio focus? Yes, Beulah, and Mr. McGee wants to get it fixed in time to hear Gloria Pizzicato tonight. Gloria Pizzicato? Oh, oh. oh man, that gal. That gal got a voice like making a bed with broken fingernails. When she's singing, make the hair stand up on a scrub brush. <laughs> we won't discuss my musical taste, Beulah. No, sir. Excuse me, sir. Well, it's a good thing we won't, dearie. I happen to know that your idea of fine music is hearing the curse of an aching heart played on a musical saw. Oh, yeah. Well, I like imitations of a locomotive played on a banjo, too. <laughs> and believe me, that ain't easy. You mean it ain't easy to like it? I mean it ain't easy to play it. Oh, uh, you said you played the piano, didn't you, Beulah? Yes, ma'am, but not so much anymore. Housework and the hot chai ain't strictly compatible. <laughs> <laughs> Music is like chicken pockets. Oh, you got to keep your head in or you don't get no place. <laughs> you can say that again. Yes, yeah, so music is like chicken pockets. Gotta keep no, your no, head no, Beulah. <laughs> he, uh, he means you're right. Oh, thank you, sir. And you wishes me to bring you out a little paranoid? Yes, if you'll be so good as to. <laughs> when I get through with this radio bill, it'll tune so fine you can hear Mr. District Attorney filing a brief. Yeah, Mr. Uh -huh. District Attorney filing a brief. What is the mail thing? <laughs> 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 I love that mail. <laughs> Uh, 
Look, dearie, I won't mention it again after this, but uh, why don't you just toss all those parts into a pillowcase and haul them down to a radio repairman? No, sir, I can handle this with... Just a minute, sir. Thank you, Beulah. Ah, now I can get someplace. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. When were these things sharpened last? I'd hate to be trapped in a cobweb with only these knives on me. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you noticed that, Pat. You've been promising to sharpen those knives ever since we... Come in. Hello, Molly, my dear. Oh, come in, Dr. Gamble. Hi, Doc. Hello, my boy. Well, what are you up to now? My clavicle in this radio. (laughs) Pull up a chair and I'll show you a few of the finer points of radiotronics, Gamble. Finer points of what? Radiotronics. Spell it. Skip it. (laughs) The radio has been acting up, Doctor. I wanted to send it to a repairman, but himself here thought it was a waste of money, so... Oh, it is, my dear. It is a waste of money. Sure. Unless, of course, you plan to use the set again sometime. (laughs) I suppose you're throwing this one away when a little fumblefoot gets through playing with it. What do you mean, throw it away? Stick around, wise guy, and I'll show you how... Hey, you got your satchel there? Let me Uh have a scalpel in, will you? Why, certainly. Hey, well, I'm a boy. Yeah. Although if you're planning on cutting your throat in despair, let me do it. I'm a doctor, you know. We learn how to do those things neatly. And besides, you... Hey, what are you doing with that? Give me that scalpel. Okay, okay. Take it, Indian giver. I was just trimming those wires down to fit. My best scalpel. Of all the unmitigated, colossal... My $12 scalpel. Well, that's what you get for lending your stuff around promiscuously, you big stoop. You're not supposed to lend your surgical tools to a guy who's not a doctor anyhow. You know how septic people are. You could get in trouble with the AMA for that. Wait a moment. I ought to... Oh, all right. I asked for it. Anybody who lends you anything without keeping one hand on it ought to have it ruined. That's what... To what? Oh, oh, plug it in over there, Doc. Okay. Now get a load of how a radio ought to sound after a good overhaul. Get a load of this reception. Very good. <laughs> That's the same kind of reception he gets when he walks into the Elks Club, Molly. Oh, take it easy, old buckethead. My guys, I just got to... Say, Mr. McGee... Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Oh, hello, I'd say, Mr. McGee, maybe I could help a little with that radio if you want don't me to. Don't worry about it, Alice. We can get a repairman. Oh, I don't mind, Mrs. McGee. I just thought maybe I could help. Sounded to me a little while ago like the condenser is improperly wired. Maybe it's crossed with a transformer. Condenser? You're thinking of an icebox, Alice. This is a radio. Oh, you're thinking of a compressor on an icebox, Mr. McGee. I said the condenser. Yeah, but I don't think... Why don't you let her look at it, you noisy little feedback? She at least knows more than you do about it. Which would be nothing at all. Okay, now. Go right ahead, Alice. You two know all about radios. Go ahead. Fix it up. I'm through. Well, jeepers, I don't want to... I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just sit over here. Well, I'm I'm sure it won't take but a minute. I work on radio sets all day long at the airplane plant. Mm Hmm, I think you've got the condenser hooked into series with the amplifier tube. Huh? Uh, wh- what that does is build up a charge in the resistor tubes and screwdriver, please. Uh, oh, oh thank you. And, and when it attains sufficient ohmage, it develops a squeal. And so I'm I'm changing the wiring so that the grids alternate with the resistors, and so the condenser can function properly. And ah, there we are. Now try it. Clear as a bell. Shucks, she only did what I was starting to do. <laughs> only she's got smaller hands. She can reach in farther. Oh, hey, it's time. Get Gloria Pizzicato. It's time for her to be on. W-B-I-S, Alice. Oh, all right. Here. Pizzicato, with her first number this evening, 
Why do I love you? Ah, just got it in time. the idea, McGee? I thought you wanted to hear Gloria Pizzicato. Of course I did. If I didn't hear her, how would I know when to shut her off? (laughs) I hate that woman. I shut her off every night. Thanks very much, Alice. Don't mention it, ever. If one of your friends said to you, I keep house with wax, would you know what she meant? Well, if you went over her home room by room, I think you would. Because in every one of those rooms, from the front door through the kitchen, you'd find wax protection, wax-polished beauty. Floors that grow lovelier with every application of Johnson's wax. Tabletops, sideboards, chair arms that gleam with wax protection that are so easy to keep clean and sparkling. Windowsills that are not afraid of a sudden shower. Venetian blinds, picture frames, leather articles, lampshades that wear a coat of Johnson's wax proudly. Yes, you'd find in every room evidence of regular applications of Johnson's wax to all kinds of surfaces, protecting them, preserving them, adding beauty and length of life, and saving hours of housework. That's what we mean by protective housekeeping with Johnson's wax. And believe me, it pays big dividends. Alice had left over, McGee. Throw them out and be thankful we haven't got a television set. Why? Imagine getting that put back together and having three faces, two bodies, and a piccolo left over. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Good night, all. This is Otto Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.